So this morning, church, we're going to start our four-week series on Back to the Basics. Now, when I say Back to the Basics, that may mean different things to different people, right? Like if you're talking to a Rhodes Scholar, I saw, I saw on the news the other day that a couple of our Air Force Academy uh, gentlemen and one lady, is, they are Rhodes Scholars. So if you talk to the Basics with them, it's probably going to be a little different than the Basics with someone else. You know, when you start your new job, they kind of give you the Basics, why? Because they don't want you to mess anything up. Amen? So we're going to talk about the basics for the next four weeks. You know, uh, they, they tried to trick Jesus into figuring out what the basics were for him one time. They asked him, of all the commandments, what's the most important? And here's what he said. He said, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds very basic, doesn't it? Yet it's some of the hardest things that we can ever do as believers. To give everything that we have, to give our whole heart, our whole mind to God, and to love, love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, anybody in here have neighbors? That's hard sometimes. Have you heard the old saying, great, uh, fences make great neighbors? But it's bigger than that. And in fact, we can't move on to the deeper things of God, and most people want the deeper things of God, before getting over the basics. So again, the, the basics are so important in our walk. In fact, they're important in everything that we do. I love the ending to that verse. It says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now to my in-state students who are currently studying for their Old Testament final. Yeah, give it up for them. They're, they're taking their final uh, next week in in-stay. Um, to think of all the things that we've studied in students over the last 14 weeks, the law, the prophets, the minor prophets, everything that the law and the prophets are made up of are these basic things. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Can it get any more basic than that in our Christian walk? So again, let's talk about basics. Basic is actually a noun. It means the essential facts or principles of a subject or skill. Now, I learned to know just enough stuff about fixing cars and fixing things around my house to be dangerous. I know just enough. I don't want to own a lot of tools because then I can think then I think I can fix things. So I own just enough tools to get kind of some of this stuff done. Guys, do you know what I'm talking about? Like my daughter calls, hey, do you think you can do the brakes on my car? Yeah, I can do brakes. I got enough tools to do brakes. Well, they also want to do this, and they want to do this, and they want to do this. I'm like, you better call somebody because I don't have those tools. I want to know just the basics. And you know what? Knowing the basics is the most important thing that we can know in our walk with Christ. 
our day in and day out walk. Because unless you get the basics done, you'll never move on to the deeper things of God. Amen? So what are some of the basics that we need? You know, in life, everybody knows that in math there's basics. Two plus two equals four. At least maybe that's still around. I've heard some bad things about new math. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was taking algebra, living with my grandparents at the time. If you ever get a chance to live with your grandparents, thumbs up. It's amazing. Um, my parents had already moved to Colorado. Uh, my, bro- my two brothers had moved as well. Thank you, Lord. And so I got to spend a year with my grandparents. So I bring home my, my algebra book, and I sit down, and just, I'm just struggling with it. I can't figure it out. Uh, it's just, you know, all these new techniques and so many letters, right? Uh, and so, and if you're in that, and I know some of our youth are going through that now. Uh, so I sit down with my grandpa. I'm like, Grandpa, do you think you can help me with this? Now, let me give you some background. He made it through the eighth grade, and then World War II happened. And then he got his, he graduated from high school in the 60s, uh, later, right, after, because different generation. You didn't need all the degrees that you need now. So we're sitting down, and we're talking about math. And he's like, I don't know, this is all new math. So I did some studying, and I came back the next day, I'm like, Grandpa, this math is 2,000 years old. What do you mean by new? But the basics can mean different things to different people. See, there's basic there's basics in accounting. Money in, money out. Dave Ramsey talks about the basics of financial. Don't spend more than you make. Right? Those are the basics. There's basics in cooking. Don't burn it. Right? My daughter, when she went to college, she went to Le Cordon Bleu. Uh, she wanted to become a, a, a chef. So she goes to chef school, and we would call in the evenings after school is over. I'm like, what are you doing, to, what are you doing tonight? What are you studying? She goes, I'm cutting things. I'm like, okay, what do you mean? She goes, we've been cutting things for two weeks. That's all we do is cut things. Why? Because unless you know the basics, you can't move on to all the fun stuff that they were going to teach her. So I want to talk about, when I talk about basics, most people think about sports. Getting back to the basics. Teams that aren't winning, their coaches are like, listen, we need to get back to the basics. So I've got a couple of stories that I found and I want to relate. Anybody heard of Vince Lombardi? famous coach, right? Uh, His team almost won. It wasn't called the Super Bowl back then. It was called the the NFL Championship, I believe. And so they almost won. But he believed in going back to the basics. So he comes back the next year. He's got all of his professional football players in there. These guys have played football their whole life. It's all they did. They got paid to do this. It was their profession. And he holds up a football and he says, this, my friends, is a football. He said, I don't care what you guys know, I want you guys to get back to the basics because basics will help you win. He began with those most elementary statements so that they knew we've got to start from the beginning all along. I want to tell you another story. Uh, Ever heard of a gentleman? His name was John Wooden. It's called the Wizard of Westwood. He coached the UCLA Bruins basketball team from about 1940s to, to the mid-70s. They won 10 championships in 12 years. Won 88 games in a row. Probably knows what he's doing when it comes to coaching basketball. So his incoming freshman, he did the same thing every year. He did the same thing every year because that's how important 
the basics are. He gets his freshmen in. They're sitting down. They've already done their campus tour. He's, he showed them the, the basketball stadium. And the first thing he does is he says, I want everybody to sit down and grab your socks. And he taught them how to put on their socks. Now, playing sports my whole life, I've put on my socks once or twice, right? I mean, that would be kind of like, is, is, this, is this guy really for real? He wants to teach me how to put on my socks? Actually, <laughs> literally and actually, he want, that's what he did. He taught them how to put on their socks. Why? Because he wanted to start with the basics. So that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, is getting back to the basics. Because you may think that you're over here, but unless you've got the basics down, you'll never make it to the next step in your walk. Amen? Now, luckily, I'm not going to be talking about socks. Unless you need it tonight at youth, I can talk about socks. But, you know, Jesus used the basics when he preached. He used parables and stories that were relatable to those around him. He hit people right where they were at. He didn't try to take them to a place that they weren't ready to go. And that's why parables were so important in those days. You see, we need to use the basics when we share Christ to our friends. At school, in our neighborhoods. I've told you the story about our friends where we shop. I always talk to them every week when I go shopping with Kelly. I talk to them. Why? Because I want to hit them right where they're at. But we have to have the basics down in our own lives before we can go to the next level. So the first thing I want to talk about is Jesus used the basics to convey deep truths. You can't read through the New Testament Gospels and not see deep, deep truths that Jesus teaches people. And yet he did it in such a basic way that they're like, wow, I get it. So the first thing he did, and, th and this is not an all-inclusive list, but there are just some, some notes that I jotted down. He washed the feet of the disciples to teach about servant leadership. He did the basics. Right after dinner when he knelt down, took a towel, started washing their feet, he wanted to teach them about what was, what was being a servant all about. Why? Because there was going to be a time when they needed to be servants to someone else. So here's a verse that I wrote down. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God. See, he had confidence in what he was doing, so he could do the next thing. He said he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking the towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. I just want to tell you what a humbling job that was. That's what the servants did when you came in for dinner at someone's house. You'd come in and sit down. They would wash your feet because... Of course, in those days, they wore their Jesus sandals and walked dirty roads. And that's what the servants did for you when you came in to, to dine at someone's home. It said, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He, he came to Simon Peter. 
Oh, Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? I mean, that's how low of a thing it was for Jesus to do this. It was the basics. And Jesus answered, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. See, they were getting lesson 101 in servanthood. So let me move on to the next thing. The disciples wanted to know who was the greatest in the kingdom. I mean, Jesus, we're, we've left all, the, all that we had. We, we've left our homes and our jobs. Who's the greatest in the kingdoms? Who's going to rise above to rule this crew? And what did he do? He didn't answer them straight away. He went to the basics. What he did was he called a little child to discuss childlike faith. Matthew chapter 18, here's what it says. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That is basic. And yet it's such a deep truth. It's not about what we can attain. It's not that great ladder that we're climbing. It's not about that next thing that we can do for his kingdom. It's about coming to him as a child. Having faith like a child. Here's the next thing. He described unselfish giving after watching a widow drop two small coins into the temple offering. Mark chapter 12. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins. And he called his disciples to him and said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they are contributing out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Again, it's, it's the basics. It's not the amount that she was giving. It was the heart that she was giving it with. Amen. He didn't say that those other people that were putting in large sums were doing anything wrong. He just said, listen, they're giving out of their abundance. They have an abundance to give out of. But her heart was in such a spot that she was giving out of her love for what God was doing in her life. Here's the next thing. Jesus used the basic to teach about the kingdom of God. And we can spend days and weeks and years talking about the kingdom of God and yet, Christ did it using the basics. Here's the first thing that he taught. My kingdom is not of this world. Remember when the disciples came to him and said, okay, but when are you going to set up Israel again? We want to see Israel be amazing again. We want to see the times of King David, King Solomon, when we rule and we reign. We want these Romans out of our nation. We want them out. So when are you going to send up your kingdom? And he says, 
my kingdom's not of this world. That is a basic truth. And it's something we need to know about the kingdom. Why? Because we fight so hard for things on this earth. But do you remember the verse, I'll call it to mind, where he says, don't put things up here on earth where what happens? They rust. And the moths attack. And things fade away. But he said, put away for yourself things in the kingdom where they'll never go away. So he says, my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. His kingdom wasn't from here. His kingdom was from there. A basic truth. And yet, there's deepness in it. He also said, but seek first. When someone says to do something first, that tells me it's basic. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to it. We try to get that in the reverse. We try to get everything added to us and then we'll seek after the kingdom. And everything's good right now, God, so I'll go ahead and seek us out. Or we do the reverse of that where everything's good, God, I don't really need you right now. I'll call you when I need you, right? But what does he say? Seek first. Those basic things. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will be added to it. You know, I love when he talked about parables. Matthew is filled with parables. In fact, there's, there's seven parables just in one chapter. But here are some of the parables. The parable of the mustard seed. The smallest seed. And yet when it's planted and it grows... Birds can live in it. Basic truths, yet bring about deep understandings. How about the parable of the sower? He uses dirt and seeds, rocks, to explain the kingdom of God. And I'm sure you've heard it preached many, many times that some fell on rocky soil and some fell on this soil but the ones that fell on good soil. Basic truth. How about the parable of the wheat and the tares? The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in, in the field. Yet his enemy came and sowed bad seed. They both grew up together. And they say, should we pull out those tares, those weeds... And with wisdom, the landowner says, no, don't do that, because then you'll destroy both. But wait until the harvest, and then they'll be separated. Wow. Basic, but deep. How about the parable of leaven? The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. You know, that's how our walk is. Sometimes you may be speaking into someone's life at school or at work, friends, maybe your relatives, maybe people that you live with. Just a little bit of taste of leaven here and a little bit here and a little bit there. And the next thing you know, the kingdom of God is at hand because you're giving them basic truths. 
How about the parable of the hidden treasure? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over, if he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What is that talking about? I mean, what does that have to do with the kingdom of heaven? Here's what it has to do with it. When you find that joy and peace and love that only God can give, what would you not sell, give away, those things that you've held on to so tight to keep that feeling that God has poured into you? How about the parable of the pearl of great price? The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he finds that perfect one, he sells everything that he has. All those things that he thought were important to him. Just to buy that one pearl. Remember when Paul wrote, listen, all those things that I had, all that education that I gained, all the stuff that I had, I count it as dung to know the goodness and the kingdom of God. I'll give up everything. I don't, it's stuff, it's not worth anything. That's the parable of the pearl of great price. How about the parable of the dragnet? Not the show for those older people, Raleigh. I know, what you, I, know, I know when I said that, I know what you're thinking about. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. And yet when the net came up, the fishermen moved and changed and threw away and kept the things that were good. How about this one? Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasures, things old and new. How about this? The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. How about the parable of the workers in the vineyard? The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. He promised them one denarii. And then he went out a couple hours later and hired more. A couple hours later, hired more. A couple hours later, hired more until the, the last hour of the day. And when it was time to settle accounts, he started with the last people. And he gave them a denarii. And the people who had started first thought, man, we've been here all day in the heat of the sun. I bet you he's going to give us more. But how much more of the kingdom is there to give than everything that God's given us? And they're mad at the landowner. And they complain. And the landowner says, I've done you no harm. I paid you exactly what I told you that you would get. And so if I give someone who didn't work as hard or as long the same amount, who are you to tell me how to spend my do re me, right? Basic truths about the kingdom. How about the parable of the wedding guests? The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. He called guests from out, but some said, 
I'm busy, I've got to do this, or I'm too busy to do this, or I'm too busy to go. So he says, that's it. Go out into the highways and the byways. That's us. We're the highways and the byways, right? They went out into the highways and the byways, and they called in those into the wedding feasts. How about the parable of the talents? The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. He gave one one talent. One five talents. And when he comes back, and he gave one two, I apologize. And when he comes back, the one says, listen, I knew you were a hard man. You reap where you do not sow, so I hid it in the ground. Here's your one back. Mm, not good. The other ones put theirs to work for the kingdom. That's what that is all about. So, Jesus used the basics to talk about the kingdom. And yet, when he spoke about those parables, and he told those stories, people knew exactly what he was talking about. Pastor Derek uses growing up on the farm a lot in his sermons. About going on on the back 40, picking up rocks. Oh, you're not busy? Go pick up rocks. I mean, he has touched more rocks than the guys in Leavenworth. Right? Go, Go pick up rocks. Go pick up rocks. Well, in an agrarian society where Jesus was, they understood those stories. Why? He hit them right where they were so that they understood that. So when he tells about planting seeds, he's using the basics, but he's explaining it in a way that people are like, wow, I get this now. He used the basics to inspire He used the basics to inspire people to greater things in their own lives. Here's what John 4, 13 and 14 says. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He got to her Right where she was at. I mean, it's an amazing story. Yet, it's so basic. She, she's at the well getting water. I mean, basic needs of life. And yet, that's exactly where Jesus hits her. In her greatest need of life is where Jesus reaches out and inspires her. Because what does she say after that? Give me this water. I don't want to have to come up to this well anymore. He's like, you don't understand the kingdom. Let me explain even more. How else did Jesus do that? He did it with questions. I was reading this week and I found out that Jesus asked 135 questions. That's a lot of questions. Why? Because questions move us to thought. They create a thought within us. It allows us to buy in when we hear the answer. Instead of declaring a truth, he would ask them what they thought about something so that they could gain ownership when they received the answer. He was teaching the basics You see, questions 
really can be tools to guide others and lift them up to a higher level of thinking. So what are some of the questions that he asked? Who is your neighbor? Think about that for a second. A guy that cuts you off on the way to church or on your way to work and you do not want to send him the high sign, that's your neighbor. He asked, what did Jesus command of you? What did Moses command of you? Hmm, what did Moses command? He got them to think differently about what Moses commanded of them. Here's one I liked. Are you so dull? Sounds rude. People wouldn't take that. They'd be offended. You'd be on their Facebook or their Instagram getting shouted at. How about this one? I read this one today when I was reading in Mark this morning. Who do men say I am? We say great leaders never ask a question unless they already know the answer. And I think he already knew the answer to that. See, great leaders know right where you're at, and they know how to lead. So here are some other questions. I won't go through all 135, unless you had a big breakfast, and then I can do that. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Why don't we think about that one for a second? And see where that hits you. If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than anyone else who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life why do you worry about clothes I don't know if I've told this story before my daughter when she was in college the one that uh, that went to cooking school she I we paid for some things she had to pay for other things and so she got a job at uh, this fancy mall in Scottsdale uh, and she worked at a place called Aeropostale. Anyway, is that place, is that still around? You know what I'm talking about? The ladies over there are like, I know where you come from. And so for some reason she's thought that every paycheck allowed her to buy one item of clothing. She thought that was a trade-off. Well, I'm working, I might as well buy this. And I get a discount, Dad, right? So we go to visit her over Thanksgiving, and... Uh, it's like 80-some degrees. We went to the zoo that day, if you can believe that. We went to the zoo because uh, it was so warm. And I happened to just open up her closet because I'm her dad, and I'm just kind of used to that. And there are so many T-shirts in there. I think when she took a T-shirt out, her closet went, oh. <laughs> Jesus asked, of all the things to worry about, why do you worry about what you wear? Here's one. Why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Wow. Now, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the Greek, they don't use punctuation like we do. I'm not sure that was a question. I think that was an accusation slash statement. And it's a good one, amen? Do, pick, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? How about this one? Why are you so afraid? 
Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Here's what he said to someone who needed healing. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And by their answer, he inspired them to the next step in the kingdom. They seem like basic questions. Some of those are just questions that we might ask our kids. But he inspired using those basics. How else did he inspire? He inspired with love. You've probably heard sermons about the different words for, for love, agape, phileo, eros, storge. But we have to remember that God is love. So everything that Christ did was with love in mind. And he inspired others to love as well. But you know, God started that basic. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God started the love. This key to inspiration can actually bring the recipient an expression of love to catch a glimpse of the face of God through us. We have to love others. Jesus thinking about love was inspiring. Remember, we as Christians are to love those around us because I ask again, who is your neighbor? He inspired through hope. Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that when you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Yet when Christ came, He gave us hope. Inspired us to, to bigger and to greater things because of the hope that we can have in Him. How else did He inspire? He inspired through, through integrity. Here's a, a basic A basic that's so hard to live by. It's a deep truth. Luke 6.31 Treat others as you want them to treat you. You might say, man, that, how does that inspire? It inspires you to go to the next level in your walk with Christ. Because I go back to one of the questions that Jesus asked. If you greet your brothers, who, what difference are you than anyone else? You see, Jesus held himself and others to a higher standard. Which will inspire those around to trust and to try to live their life at a level that he's calling us to. Remember how he talked to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, and their treatment of others? I mean, these guys were the best of the best. They knew the law backwards, forwards. They knew all the ins and all the outs. They knew exactly what to do at the right time. They knew how to get around the system, if you will, as well. And when he held those people accountable, 
through his words, through his accusations, through his questions. I believe that those that were following the crowds that were so used to being put down by that upper echelon of religious leaders. I think they exhaled and said, wow, if he's holding them to an account, maybe I should live a certain way as well. Maybe I should do something better than what I'm doing right now. In fact, hopefully I can find this. I was reading this this morning. I hope you guys are all doing a a year-long study or or whatever you're doing. I'm doing the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. Um, Whatever you're doing, I encourage you. Get back to the basics. Here's what it says. I don't have this in the screen. I just read this this morning. It says, this is Mark chapter 7. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, it wasn't washing their hands like what we're talking about. It was a special rigmarole, you know, all the stuff that they had to do, right? They found fault in them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the traditions of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and there are many other things with which they are received and hold, like the washing of cups and pitchers and copper vessels and couches. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders? But eat bread with unleavened hands. He answered Jesus and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Not a term you want to be called by Jesus. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the traditions of God, you hold the traditions of men the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other things such as you do. You see, he held them to an account. He said, listen, these people need to know the basics. All this stuff that you added on, all this rigmarole, if you will, all this special do this and do that, that's not helping them with the kingdom of God. You've turned the traditions of men into the commands of God. You've got away from the basics. And I think that inspired others around him to go, I need to live my life at a certain level. I need to step up my walk, if you will. Lastly, he inspired through purpose. Through purpose. Here's what it says in John chapter 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the loss. You know what that tells me? He gave up everything he had to come seek me out, to come seek you out. And that tells me you have purpose. He inspired people by telling them you have purpose in this life. Meaning and purpose 
And if someone hasn't said that to you today, you, you can start whenever you want. You have meaning and purpose. You have meaning and purpose. Maybe you didn't hear me. You have meaning and purpose. Find out what it is in the basics. You see, that's why we've got we've to say it's time to get back to the basics. What are the basics? Christ came. He died. As he said, just like Jonah was in the whale three days, he'll be in the tomb three days, and then the resurrection happens. That's the basics. We had someone come in, this was many, many years ago, before Kelly and I started coming to, to Gateway, now Reach. Um, and we've been here for about 20 years. So this must have 20 plus years ago. Someone came into the church that we were attending. And our church, if you don't know the history, our church merged with this church. It was, it was an amazing merge. It worked, everything worked out pretty well. Uh, and it really helped this church to grow at that time. But someone came in, Pastor Marty was, was preaching, and he comes up to him after the service, and he goes, yeah, I, I know you guys use the Bible, but, man, I, I'm so far past the Bible. I, I'm on to things that are just bigger than the Bible. Are you kidding me? You're that good that you, you've studied 66 books? I mean, and you know them in and out and up and down and left and right? Uh, we were talking in Insdale, I'm like, man, you could take one book, Study it the whole rest of your life and not get everything out of it. See, they thought the basics was too far behind them. So I want to encourage you today. Get back to the basics. The basics of our faith. The basics of our Christian walk. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want, I want you to think about that. Christ in you is the hope of our God in heaven. Like, wow. I want to stand this morning. Heavenly Fathers, we start out this series on back to the basics my greatest desire over the next few weeks is that we find our place in you our meaning and our purpose in you knowing that your greatest desire is for us to love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Father God, where does change happen? Change happens with us. The society that's, that's dying and that's hurting right now It needs the light of the gospel. 
And that light needs to start with us. Inside of us. Will you fan that that light that's in us, that flame that's in us until it starts a huge fire around us that involves your kingdom come and your will be done in people's lives on earth as it is in heaven what do you want that what do you what does that mean that means he desires for us to take the kingdom to those around us and the way that the kingdom works in heaven is the way he wants the kingdom to work down here on earth as well in us and through us changing lives one person at a time give us wisdom as we walk out this grace that you've poured on to us Give us mercy for those around us as we ask ourselves, who is my neighbor? Father God, watch over us, protect us, keep us safe as we go this week. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Have a blessed rest of your Sunday. Youth, we'll see you tonight, 530. Have a great night.